Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded. Oh, man. So this episode, when I recorded it, it was right before I did last month's monthly reflection. And it's a conversation with Mr. Steve Little, who is the CEO and managing partner of Zero Limit Ventures. He's an individual who's been, he's been an entrepreneur for over 45 years, sold his first business when he was 15, and has since then architected six nine-figure tech exits. Extremely purpose-driven human being. One of the most spiritual entrepreneurs I've ever had the pleasure of learning from. He was also the chairman of the podcast app Podopolo, which was the incredible platform that brought me out to interview all the chefs and musicians and and incredible beings at the Feasted Forward Food and Wine Festival. And um, man, I learned so much from Steve. It's hard to actually recap. This was one of the most powerful episodes I recorded. In fact, it was it is the episode that really led me down a very powerful path of introspection and um and spiritual curiosity. You know, uh, Steve's belief in the energetics of creation, in the energetics of manifestation, of the power of forgiveness, the power of clearing out our subconscious belief system so that we can truly create with the full force of life. I mean, I was just blown away. Steve is a deep believer and practitioner of the Ho'oponopono meditation or mantra, which is an ancient Hawaiian healing mantra. We talk a lot about that on on this week's episode. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a powerful episode for me because, you know, Steve has had massive material success. And for me to hear him attribute almost all of his success to his spiritual practices was exactly the slap in the face I needed. It was a reminder that your energy and the way you show up in the world is so much more important than the hustle and the effort. And And I think that was really hard for me to hear when I had the conversation with him. And in fact, my mind couldn't comprehend what he was saying because I was in my mind. But when I dropped into my heart, when I dropped into my body, when I dropped into the truth of what this man was trying to convey on this week's episode. It opened up so much for me and I hope it opens up a lot for you. So enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Podopolo, which is an incredible podcast app. I've been listening to all my shows on Podopolo now. They give you really beautiful features and social features to be able to, like, it's essentially Spotify for podcasts. And so I'd highly recommend checking out the app and learning more about it. And 
if we said anything on the podcast that resonated, please reach out, uh, send me a message on social media, tag us. I love hearing from you. I love hearing the perspectives. And I hope this episode finds you well. And I hope it inspires you to go deeper and deeper into your own practices of love, connection, and spirituality. So without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Steve Little. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's up everyone? And welcome to this very special episode of Stay Grounded Live from Feast It Forward. Sitting across from my dear friend, Mr. Steve Little. How are you, sir? I'm good, Raj. Thank you. Man, it is so good to be able to connect in this way with you. I've known you for a few years. In fact, funny story for everyone listening, Steve is one of the most valuable Java Press Coffee Company subscribers. (laughs) He was one of the first people to really support the company And he's been subscribed to our coffee club for years. And this past year, I made a commitment to going back and reconnecting with all of our our best customers, the customers that have spent the most money on our website. And when I looked at the list, I saw Steve's name on there and I was kind of like, this can't be Steve Little. (laughs) And here I am. I sent him an email and I'm like, hey, I just want to thank you. I'd love to get on a call with you. And then here you are just being like, Raj, it's me. And it just kind of blew me away. And so... (laughs) It's great to be here with you, man. I'm just so grateful that we get to spend time. And funny story, yeah. No, it's, I'm glad to be here with you. Thanks. So you've you've experienced a lot in your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've uh, you've. I mean, businesses. I mean, life, purpose, meaning. I'd love to come back to the moments when you sort of experienced the success, but were looking for depth. Mm-hmm. At that point in your life. What was missing? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, I think that I've been blessed with a lot of success throughout the years. I mean, and not all of it financial, but a lot of it financial. And, you know, whether it was pursuing some sort of activity, like I raced boats for a while and I rodeoed for a while and sort of all those things. And, you know, I sort of have a repeated pattern of I take on something, then I get to the top and then it's like, okay, I did that. Now let's go do something else. Right. So it sort of indicates a behavioral pattern of seeking. Right. Then in my work, as I would generate significant returns for the companies that I built and uh, sell those and go on and do another enterprise and, you know, you accumulate some wealth and, and those things start to flow together and it becomes, you know, sort of a puzzle. Like, what am I supposed to be doing with all this? I've obviously been gifted with talents. You know, I, I can't claim ownership of that. I just, do what comes to mind and, and, uh, it seems to work out. So I started looking for some sort of uh, sign or some sort of pathway to actually do something with the successes that I've been blessed with, whether it be monetary or not. And, uh, as things happen, if you set the intention out there, the universe has a way of bringing you the opportunities that you're asking for. And so I was presented a couple of opportunities to, to get involved in some projects. One of which was probably the most significant one was the first one as I had an opportunity to spend uh, several months in Arusha, Africa, where I was introduced to a, um, 600 AIDS orphans that were being supported by three women. They called them the mamas. They had no houses, no homes. There were no buildings at all. This was during the Congolese tribunals, so it was a pretty violent area, pretty scary to be there. 
And these women cooked for these kids every day and they kept them clothed and they kept them, you know, as safe as they could. But every evening they crawl back into their stick huts or wherever they were staying and they didn't have any supervision or anybody looking over them. So it was dangerous. We had taken on a mission to build them schoolhouses. So we built three cinder block buildings and they were going to be used to feed the children as, as safety. They could stay in those, those properties and uh, they could go to school there, right? So you could develop a school system and start to educate them. So that was really the purpose of that. And, and uh, I, we took about 26 people over there with us. Tried a trip to get there, but we managed to, to arrange to stay in a monastery and, and uh, do the work while we were there. And it was interesting that you really have no idea how close you're becoming with these people. You know, the, they're cute kids, you know, all ages. And your heart goes out to them because they're just so happy and they have so little. Right. right? It's yeah, just yeah. like, holy cow, these kids really have nothing. I mean, really nothing, but they're happy, they're playful, they, they appreciate everything in life. So it was very clear to me that that was part of the lesson I was supposed to learn. So we went through the process of building these buildings. I'll spare you the details. They had very little equipment, and what they had was very poor, so it was a big challenge, but we got it done, and that's really the important part. And uh, the host, the person who had coordinated this trip for me, told me the night before I was leaving, she said, you have no idea how close you've become. I'm going to break up just telling the story. And uh, it's going to be hard for you to leave. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I sobbed for two weeks continuously like this. You know, it was just so meaningful and so powerful. Funny story is I was on my way home from the airport and pulled up to the to my ranch Right on the corner of my driveway, a guy was selling a bulldozer, an old D9 bulldozer. And I thought, damn, man, what is it going to cost to get a bulldozer shipped to Arusha, Africa? (laughs) (laughs) So I bought the dozer and had it shipped over there so they could start building buildings more quickly. You know, and uh, we stayed in touch over the years. I I, uh, committed to support them on an annual basis. And and in the end, I sent them an awful lot of money and, it's really amazing. I mean, some of these kids, when I first met them, were five, six, eight. Uh, some of them made it to the States and gone to school, gone to college. You know, it's like in that story, I'm just realizing this. Like, it seems like the purpose to life is to create those moments of depth, mm-hmm. those moments that bring you to tears, those moments that wake you up to gratitude, those moments that truly actually bring you back into the presence of life. And when you look at those kids, they're just smiling, happy. Like, there's this depth and connection to that. Over the years, have you, as that experience came and it brought you to this realization, How did that inform the way that you lived your life moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's exactly as you described it. And you begin to seek opportunities for that. And yes, there are degrees of freedom that are afforded you when you've accumulated some wealth that you don't have when you don't. But, you know, I learned some really important lessons along the way that, you know, you may not have a lot to give, but you can give something. And in a place like Arusha, even 25 bucks, that would feed hundred of those kids for four days. I mean, it goes a long ways, right? So, you know, that's one of the sort of practical messages that, that I would come back with. And really, at a more spiritual level, 
it taught me to continue to seek and and look and ask for opportunities, right? To get involved in things that I can make a meaningful contribution to and, and have an impact for. And, and, you know, that's been the greatest blessing of all, right? Is that I've, I've had opportunities to do that repeatedly in my life and and I continue to seek new opportunities all the time. As things have been difficult in your life after that experience, how did that experience inform the way that you approached challenge and maybe some of the harder moments in your life? Well, I think that when you're grounded in the kind of experience that those opportunities bring you, you know, a lot of the other stuff doesn't really matter very much. And it's pretty hard to sweat the small stuff. You know, and we, we get pretty excited about things that are happening day to day and we get anxious and upset or whatever the case might be. And I think that if, if we can, um, take the observer's perspective when we find ourselves an upset. So whatever the upset is, if we can teach ourselves to recognize that you're an upset and pull yourself out of it, become the observer and say, okay, so what is really happening here? Right. One of the things that I learned along the way working with Dr. Len. Who's Dr. Len? Dr. Hugh Len. He was at the time, uh, died not too long ago, but he was at the time. I would say, describe it this way. He was sort of the foremost active authority and, and purveyor of the message of Ho'oponopono, an ancient Hawaiian healing technique that really is designed to eliminate the subconscious memories and and patterns, and blocks that actually rule our experience. We don't realize this is the case, but he has a, a technique for that uh, called Ho'oponopono. He used it to heal an entire ward of criminally insane people and never met a single one of them, right? So it's a very powerful technique. And it can be used every day, all the time. I use it thousands of times a day. You know, I'll see an experience or see something or something will be in my experience and I'll recognize that if it's in my experience, it's mine to clean up. Right. And that can be cleaned. That's a powerful idea. Yeah, you know, exactly right. It, and and it, it's that's the thing that keeps you in touch with this level of awareness. If you'll stay aware of that reality, then when something is in your experience, it's yours to deal with. Right. And, and the, the mantra is very simple. It's, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. There have been adaptations of that. It's all good. There's, you know, nothing magic about that particular sequence of words. But what it really is, is sort of that trigger that says, ah, this is something that I can clean on. And you clean it and then you move on. What's fascinating about it is that you'll find that if you adopt this sort of focus of awareness and recognize that, look, you're not here isolated, you know, it doesn't, it's, we're not really like four people sitting in a group right here. We're really a bunch of energy that's rolling and flowing and vibrating together. Our perceptions of how we're doing are all defined by our subconscious minds. And so it's really very much like a projection, right? But there, that's the way we experience the world, right? That's not who we are though. So really recognizing that you are a greater being, a source energy being, that you're religious, the kingdom of God is within you, right? It's not out there. It's not up there. It's not down there. It's in here, right? And so that's the same thing, just in a different context. So 
it's awareness. And it really comes down to that thing. And, and that's hard because we get wrapped up in whatever is urgent in front of us, financial, business, family, relationships, whatever. It's easy to sort of just fall into that because those memories are deeply rooted programs that run automatically. And what's important, in my opinion, is that we teach ourselves to recognize when a program, a non, particularly a non-supportive program, is running. And to have a pattern that you can do something to stop that and change it. There's a level of responsibility that you're taking just in that implied message for your experience as you being the creator of your reality. And everybody else's, right? I mean, because it's it's all a projection. So it's all about what experience are you handing on to the next person, right? Now, this gets tricky in business, right? And for years, a lot of people didn't know I did this. I'll tell you a funny story about a friend of ours that that discovered this along the way, but um, I've been practicing a whole pono now for, I don't know, 30 years or something, a long time, right? And um, I learned that I could use it as a really interesting point of leverage in my investment banking business, which is a little unusual. You don't hear many investment bankers talking about Ho'oponopono. <laughs> so, yeah, but I discovered that, you know, the things that disrupt the process of either a capital acquisition or, or mergers and acquisition, a sale of a company, are things that are resolvable energetically, right? So, for instance, in the case of an acquisition, Sellers become increasingly irrational the closer it gets to the transaction because they get all kinds of things coming up. They get, you know, this is their, their business is their baby. And what am I going to do with my life? And is this the right thing to do? And am I getting enough money? Or, you know, all these things start to come up and it starts to disrupt the process. And I've seen many sellers sabotage their own transaction unintentionally, of course, but they heard these subconscious voices that just drove them crazy and they did stupid things, right? So I learned that if I, I could do two things. And initially, before I had this practice, we would go in and try to work with them with psychological techniques and strategies to help them calm themselves and soothe themselves and that kind of thing so that they could get through this transition without having so much disruption. But I found a much more powerful mechanism in Ho'oponopono. It said all I needed to do was clean, just continually clean the process every single day. So I started keeping a Ho'oponopono journal for each of my clients. So if I had five active clients, I had five concurrent journals. And every day, during I would do my meditation and take care of myself, and then I'd move on to them. And I'd go through the journal from the day before, and I'd create an intention for the days to come, and I would bless that with Ho'oponopono. I'd spend maybe five minutes in recitation for each of those. And, you know, it's amazing to me that things just sort of fell into place, and we didn't have any of that disruption yet, none of these problems that typically occur. And transactions were relatively frictionless and, and usually of high value. So... I've continued to do that. I mean, it works. Why wouldn't I do that? So when people ask how I do it, it's like, well, I can explain it to you, but it takes a little while to understand. When you spent time with the master, so you said he's passed, so he's not alive anymore. And did you learn from him 30 years ago? Is that when? I, I started it early 
on and then had an opportunity to work with him in a workshop. And then we sort of really got connected and he asked me to stay with him for a few weeks. And what did you learn when you stayed with him? Well, I learned a level of depth in this practice that's really hard to comprehend that, you know, and it's a hard thing to imagine that you can actually change what's going on in the world with a mantra. You know, it's hard to get your head around that. I mean, our our human brains aren't set up for that. So it's really taking that practice, you know, sort of deeper and um, getting the recitation of that integrated into a day, in my case, a daily meditative action that um, has very specific outcomes intended. So it can be general, like, you know, clean everything, or it can be clean on this thing for this outcome. I think there's a, a level of trust and surrender in the practice that allows it to be the magic that it is, right? Like if you go in with the idea or the mindset that it has to look a certain way, it's going to get me this thing. It actually feels like it's going to take away from the process. It does. I mean, and it, it's really not the way to do it because look, here's how it works. And, and, you know, shorthand mechanism. You have the power to manifest anything you want. You just have to put it out there, right? If you can put it out there and feel it, as if it's occurred, it's on its way. It's going to happen. You don't need anything else. Just keep feeling it. It's going to happen. The problem is we're humans. And we like, when, you know, if it didn't show up like this afternoon, then it didn't happen. Well, no. See, the universal time is not in your control. The universe decides, okay, you're going to have it. I'll give it to you when the time is right. Okay. <laughs> but you'll have it. Right. And that's the thing. It's hard to keep that confidence. I think that's, I I mean, it's, I struggle with that. I mean, I had certainly my experience of like, especially when I'm in challenge, it's the practice of staying open and staying connected and staying grateful and practicing this level of responsibility to even just thank and forgive. How does forgiveness play as a mantra for yourself? Like, do you, like, self forgiveness is, I think, a, a, an idea that I know is not necessarily talked about enough, but I'd love to hear your perspectives on. Mm -hmm. Well, in the mantra, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. You're not saying that to an external agency. You're saying that to yourself. And so the I is you, right? It's not another I, it's you're the I, okay? So it's saying, I forgive myself. I love myself, right? I'm sorry for the sins I cast upon myself, right? So this is the power of that, is that you're cleaning what your experience is by cleaning up what's within you, right? It's within you that's creating this image uh, that you're living into. It's not out there. It's in here, right? So over the years, I mean, you've had so many, I imagine, ups and downs, highs and lows and experiences, or do you think not? I have to be honest, I haven't had as many lows as a lot of people have. I've had a pretty easy time of it, I'll be honest with you. What do you think attributes to that? I think it's it's about staying aware of what's going on around you and not getting wrapped up in the crap. I mean, we live in a world that just constantly doles out massive amounts of crap, and it hooks us, right? Because people don't have a discipline like this to deal with that constant barrage of, I mean, whether it's commercials or political or 
or violent television or violent games, whatever it is, it's you're bombarding your brain and your brain is making translations. Here's an interesting concept. I learned this early on and when I used to coach executives, I would go through this process. It, it takes me a minute to set up, up but um, when you were a kid and you got home from school, what did you usually do? So people my age, you know, you went home and you play around with your friends for a while, but eventually you come in for dinner and you turn on the Andy Griffith show or something, you watch TV, right, or something like that. And the question is, well, what was your mom doing while you were doing that? And everybody says the same thing. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but your subconscious does know. It recorded every single vibration. So if she happened to be in the other room arguing with your dad on the phone or arguing with the plumber or something like that, you got that. You didn't get it consciously, but your subconscious recorded every single syllable of it. And here's what's really important. Your subconscious mind makes decisions about what those things mean about you. And that's the thing that creates the picture that you're living into. It's those beliefs about what those things mean about you that cause you to have the feelings and take the, have the reactions and, and make the decisions and so on and so forth that you make. And so when those things are not in service of the quality of life or the experience of life you want, you have discord in your life. So do you need to know what they are? No, because there's a constant source of them. I mean, how many cues has your subconscious mind already recorded today? Millions. Yeah, millions. So, so there's this constant source of things that your, your subconscious is dealing with and it's making decisions about and it's recording those things and it's setting up conditions where in the future you'll live into some emotional experience that's sourced by a memory that you don't even have, right? So that's the key, is really understanding that that's what's going on. You know, I just have to, you, you just gave me a big aha because I think a lot of my own spiritual practice and personal practices have been about like understanding why something's happening and looking for the reason and the memory and, oh, this happened in my childhood or this thing. It's like going further, going, no, going into this like rabbit hole of trying to understand my experience instead of what it sounds like, just accepting that, wow, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'll never understand. And because I won't understand it, why the hell am I even trying? Right. No, exactly right. You don't want to know. I mean, I used to tell people, look, you could go through psychoanalysis or hypnotic treatments or something. You could probably dredge that crap up. But why? I mean, don't you really just want to get rid of it? <laughs> I mean, why do you want to understand what it is? It doesn't really matter. You just don't want it to affect your life. Right? So just clean it. So is Ho'oponopono the most, or am I saying that right? Or am I? It's Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. So is, is that what you, in your mind, the most effective practice or is there, are there other practices that you incorporate into your life that create a, a more powerful stack or combination of experiences? There's hundreds of them. So Ho'oponopono is, is powerful because it's convenient. You can say those things. And you don't have to say them out loud. You can say them to yourself. You can say one of them. You can just say, I love you. You can just say, I forgive you. You can say, I'm sorry. I forgives myself. It's sort of the all of them together. So that's, it's convenient, right? It's, frankly, it's the way I use it. But there are lots of other techniques. I mean, the first one I ever learned is something called the science of getting rich 
by Wallace D. Waddles. I think it was in the 1920s. I may have that wrong, but 29 somehow comes to my memory. And uh, it's a process. It's actually a fairly mechanical process, but very powerful. You know, it's a process of writing and sort of extracting things that you have in your life that you do not want and getting all that out, getting on a piece of paper. Then you have an opportunity. What I tell people to do is take a break, go have a glass of wine or walk outside or something, come back to it. And then uh, you make a list of all of you sort of recreate that list of how you want things to be. Uh, you know, how, how do you want your life to be? How you want your job to be? How you want your athletic performance to be? Whatever, whatever your topic is, right? Uh, and you, you get those both side by side and complete. You take the first one, the what you do not want in your life, and you burn it. And an important visual cue is to watch it burn. They've actually tested this, and what's actually happening is you are severing neurological connections as those things are burned. So the subconscious memories that are sourcing that part of your experience are literally being severed from your experience by burning that paper. So that's good. You now have a clean slate. So how do you reprogram it? Well, you take the other one, and this is the way I use the practice. You can read it if you want, but you don't really have to. Your subconscious mind wrote it, so it knows what's there, right? But if you want to do that, you can. But what I tell people to do is you take it and you fold it up. I like to put on the outside of the folded paper sort of a general description of what it is. So if it's like my life as a professional athlete, let's say, right? I would write my life as a professional athlete on the outside. And that would be sort of a macro for everything that's on the inside. Does that make sense? And then every morning... You pick up that piece of paper and you put it in your pocket. Now, every time you feel that piece of paper in your pocket, when you stand up, when you sit down, when you, when you put your hand in your pocket or something, every time you do that, you run this macro of programming in your subconscious mind and you're reinforcing those things into your experience. And universally, 100% of the time, 100% of the time that I've taught executives to do this, they always respond with skepticism, but within two weeks, they'll call and they'll say, holy shit, I can't believe it. I've just realized that every day my life has become a little bit more like what's on that paper. You know, it's happening. I can't believe it's happening, but it's happening. And that's a fact. And that was my first experience as well. And so that's one that I use, like, if I'm getting really stuck and, uh, I can't quite get there, you know, with my awareness and sort of the free form techniques. I'll pull out a piece of pad of paper and I'll go through that process, right? And I'll burn it and I'll take the others and I'll fold them up and keep them with me. And, yeah. What? Okay. So personal question for me, what balance does having some of these like kind of esoteric concepts have with actually like just putting in the work like making things happen like going after things in your life like what is the balance of like this kind of because i imagine if you just keep writing stuff and you don't do anything it doesn't actually or am i is that a limiting construct of mine that i, I kind of want to challenge so there's a little bit of stuff there. have you ever read the book the big leap it's a book you ought to read by guy hendrix a uh, gay hendrix i'm sorry gay hendrix is his name it really is is sort of this concept that look we all have these subconscious limiting constraints and we don't know what they are. We don't know what sourced them, but they're there. 
And if you've ever noticed that your life has a pattern, you achieve a certain level of success and then something happens, right? And then, you know, and then you go back and you have something else. You're at a certain level and then something happens. And it goes over and over and over again. That something is a limiting belief that's sourced by a subconscious memory. What happens is he describes it as being different zones. So there's a zone of incompetence. This is where the work you're doing, you don't enjoy, you're not good at it. Yeah, okay. Uh, then there's the zone of competence where, okay, you're, you're competent at doing it. It doesn't really excite you. It's not really what you want to do, but you can do it if you have to, right? Then there's the zone of excellence, right? And this is where you do that work really well. You're very talented at it. It's easy to do, right? Not a big deal. You're successful with it. Then there's the zone of genius. And the zone of genius, which is it's where you want to be. That's where you're in flow. And that's where the efforting is gone. The zone of excellence is all about effort. How hard am I working? Am I doing the right things? I, with the right people, right? That's Excellence is great. And people love to stay in the zone of excellence because it's well understood, it's safe, it's productive, you're making money, whatever, right? Jumping through to the zone of genius, though, changes the game entirely because now you're in flow state and the work and the effort have gone. It's about moving through the process of generating the the experience, not from effort, right? But from the influence that you can impart on the universe, right? And so I used to tell people, I think when I first met you, as a matter of fact, and I think it was Cartagena, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. It was Cartagena or maybe one of the Camp Mavericks, but yeah. Well, it might've been the Camp Maverick because that's where I got the coffee. Yeah. It was the year that you brought the coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So the Cartagena was a couple of years later, I think, yeah. So anyway, I think that... Um, and around that time, the big joke was that I didn't work. And I didn't. I mean, literally, my day was I'd get up, have some coffee, do my meditation, my contemplation, my journaling or whatnot. I'd usually take a nap, make a few business phone calls, go work out, eat some lunch, take a nap, work a couple more hours. You know, we built a business that was producing 50 to $100 million a year in revenue, and that's all I did, right? So I wasn't out there building marketing plans and, you know, stressing out. And, and so everybody laughed about the fact that, I don't even, like, money just shows up for how, whatever reason it does, and that's how it works. So my experience has been the clearer I can be, the easier this is. Wow, there's a lot in there. And and I want to bring it back to maybe the person listening, right? Who might be at that level or may they may be on that journey there. Like what message would you have for them if they're just getting started on this journey or if they're hitting a point where, you know, things just aren't working out. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Life keeps happening to them. There's just a lot. Because right now I'm thinking about the world. There's just so much noise. COVID has been difficult for a lot of people. And so do you have any messages for them as it pertains to this idea, this philosophy that you're living with? Yeah, I'd say there's, you know, you need to continue to seek. I mean, I continue to seek. I, I don't have all the answers. I mean, it may sound like I got a pretty 
buttoned down way of doing things. But hey, it, you know, it doesn't always work. I got to keep my eyes and ears and mind open to, to new opportunities. Just recently, I was reintroduced to a series of books written by Neville Goddard. I believe it started in the 1920s or 30s. Very powerful books about this same principle, right? And, you know, it's been a good refresher for me. So you sort of stay in it. And, you know, that old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So just always be ready. Just always be seeking, be looking for the next answer. You know, don't try to take a magic pill. You know, just stay aware of what's going on around you and and ask the question. You know, one of the things just comes to mind that, you know, we all experience periods of upset. And for me, I'm defining upset as anything that's an undesirable state. So it could be fear, it could be anger, it could be jealousy, anxiety, whatever. And it's so easy to get trapped in that emotional space and not realize that you're there and that it's affecting people around you and you don't realize that. So when you're anxious, yeah, it's bad for you. It's worse for them because you're giving it to them. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think that if we just keep on that awareness button and say, oh, wow, I'm really upset about what that guy did, right? Well, that guy didn't do anything. Something happened and it triggered something in you and now you're attributing it to that guy, right? Well, that's that's not how it really works. I mean, my girlfriend, I have a joke, you know, when we get into a fight about the dishes, it's really never about the dishes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> There's a laundry. Well, two things that Dr. Len used to tell me all the time. He'd say, yeah, have you ever noticed that when you're really struggling, you're always there? <laughs> you know, think about that for a minute. When you're really having trouble, you're always present, right? So you need to consider, like, where's the trouble coming from? And that's the, I think the biggest takeaway I'm really walking away from this conversation is just how much power we actually have as conscious creators when we take full ownership for the experience we are having. Yeah. Like it is a, it's just, it's so easy even for me, like, and I, one of the things I'm just really admiring actually about the way that you live and carry yourself is that, you know, I, I always assume that people who are successful have highs and lows. And when you were like, oh, I just don't have lows because it's your experience of it. Right. It's your definition of it. And like, I realize even me, it's subconsciously, I'm like, am I creating my lows because I expect them to exist on the path to success? Yeah. I don't want to give the wrong impression. You know, I don't like dance around in bliss all day. It's just, <laughs> you know, but I don't have anything that I would say is a negative experience. I mean, all of my experiences have been at, at, at very worst learning experiences. So when things aren't going the way I want them to go, rather than enter the struggle and increase the effort, I step away and I ask the question, all right, what am I supposed to learn? Right? Because when the lesson is learned, you no longer need the experience. So the experience is there to teach you something. So the sooner you get to the learning, the sooner that experience will go away. Steve, you're such a boss. I like needed to hear that. Oh my God. That was such a message for me. That was so, that was so profound. To effort. We're socialized to effort. It starts in, before grade school, starts when you're still in the stroller. You're taught to effort, that life is effort. 
how do you accelerate your ability to find the lesson? Well, I'm back to awareness. You have to listen. Here's an interesting thing. Inspiration is the universe's pathway to communicate to you. I used to say it to this way, and I used to run a prayer group when I was back involved in the church, and I would teach men's Bible study, and I would say, so, you know, guys, how many of you are reading your Bible? And, well, you know, yeah. you like, every day? No, not every day. And I'd say, but you pray every day. And they'd say, yeah. Okay, so you're asking every day, but you, you're not reading the one place that he's committed to give you the answer. Okay. <laughs> right? So, so what do you expect him to do? Right? That's a different context, but it's the same principle. Right. right, right. I'm putting out the petition. If I'm not listening to what comes back, if I'm not looking for inspiration, I'll get the answer and won't know it. Maybe you don't even want to hear the answer. Ah, you could have something there. It could be a subconscious memory that says, I don't really want to know that I have to like do this thing that I'm very uncomfortable with in order to get to the next level. Right, right. So just having those little catchphrases that help you sort of see that, oh, wow, there was a lesson in here. You know, this thing isn't going the way I wanted, right? And it's hard to, to bring other people along with you. I mean, here's a great example. This, the company we're working with here and the guest of to here, we've been in a protracted capital raise for the company. And it's very difficult for people to accept that it's going to happen in its time. Right. And we're doing everything that needs to be done. We're putting it out there that way. We're cleaning the energy constantly. It's going to transpire in perfect time, in perfect order. Everything is always exactly as it should be. That doesn't mean everything is the way you want it to be. It means everything is always exactly as it should be. And if you can accept that, then it's so much easier to sort of interpret what's happening around you and to stay in a posture of awareness so you can actually contribute to the resolution of conflict or contribute to the creation and generation of new ideas and new energies and new opportunities. Steve, I'm just so grateful that we got a chance to sit down today and um, I just, I admire you a lot and I'm just very grateful that I get to learn from you and that I get to ask these questions and that you so openly and willingly share your wisdom with myself the audience, and um, I'm just really grateful. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, that's what I'm here for. And I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been, and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Well, I think I answered that. Every morning I get up, I meditate, I contemplate, I journal, and that's it. I set up my day. Here's the way I look at it, right? If I didn't do those things, if if I'm going to live by inspiration, if I'm going to take a signal, from inspiration, from God or universe, whatever your translation of that is, I'm, I don't care which one you use, it doesn't make any difference to me. If I'm going to live that way, then I have to stay open to hearing that, yeah. right? And if I never ask, I'm never going to hear. So when I think about how I do my day, I don't have an agenda. Because uh, an old, it reminds me of an old joke a preacher taught me once. He goes, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> yeah. So we got these task lists and these agendas and we're, uh, we're going to do all this. But the universe may have a completely different view of what you're going to do today, right? So 
Instead of all that, what I do is go through this process in the morning and I listen in silence for the inspiration. And I'm really training myself to hear it. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a message on an ad on the radio. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story if you don't mind. Years ago, I was in a challenging transaction. I needed a particular thing to happen. And I needed a particular person of particular skill in order to help me make that happen. I didn't have that person in my relationships, right? So I went into this daily routine and I recognized, you know, that's what I really need. I need, I need that resource with those connections to help me get this done. And I came out of it and literally when I turned on the radio, the message was go to the mall. I mean, it was the end of a commercial, but it was go to the mall. And it, it hit me that that was a message. I was supposed to go to the mall. And I think most people, me included, would ordinarily go, go to the mall? What the fuck? I'm not going to go to the mall. What is that? I don't have time for that. I got to go fix this problem here, right? But I went. It's Christmas time. Not many parking spaces. Got to a parking space. Closest thing to that parking space was a Starbucks. Starbucks at Christmas, always crowded. I went in, got my coffee. There was one stool. So I went and sat on that stool. And when you know the guy I was sitting next to was exactly the guy I needed to meet. If I hadn't listened, I'd have never met him. The problem would continue, and it would give me an answer again. Right? I'd ask again. I'd get a different answer. I probably wouldn't listen again like that. So it's really listening as it matters. I got so many damn questions for you. This is frustrating that I got to cut this short. But, yeah, well, I would love that, yes. But, Steve, again, thank you, really, truly, brother. Thank you. I'm just so grateful that I got a chance to just listen and just soak in so much lived wisdom and so much powerful, just a powerful reminder of how powerful we really are. Like, I I really just truly am grateful. Just remember that. Well, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Steve. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.